0: Thank you for joining the Pinewood Church Podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you fresh perspective on how God is moving in your life. For more information, visit us at pinewoodboulder.com. Enjoy the message. Man, how many of you guys enjoyed that? Can you feel the spirit in here tonight? It's good. All right, we're going through the book of Colossians. First of all, I appreciate... Parker, let me speak. It is a huge honor getting to speak in front of your peers. Uh, you guys look nervous. <laughs> Somebody breathe. <laughs> it's going to be all right. I won't say anything too crazy. All right. Do me a favor. Everybody look to the person next to you and say, I ain't, I ain't scared. All right. If you're not scared, I ain't scared. All right. Let's go. Let's do this. All right. Colossians chapter two is what we're talking about tonight. How many enjoyed Park, uh, Parker talking the last three weeks on the book of Colossians? Yeah, it's been kind of boring for me too. No. Come on, he's been brain at the last three weeks. He's been hammering out truths on who Jesus is. One of the most profound books in the Bible on spelling out exactly who Jesus is in our life. He's supreme. He's sufficient. He's the head of the church. He talked about last week. And we're getting into chapter 2 tonight. And we're going to take a further look at what God has for us in an otherwise pretty short letter. The book of, uh, the book of Colossians is a letter written by Paul and it's four chapters. It's 95 verses, and it's pretty, it's pretty short. You might ask, you know, why is Paul writing letters? Who's he writing it to? And most importantly, what does it have to do with me today? So we're going to jump into that. But first, how many people have ever been to the eye doctor? Or you just went to for a physical exam at your primary care physician's office, and he said, okay, we're going to do the eye exam now. Um, and he put this eye chart up here. Is that anybody with bad vision in here? Does that give you anxiety right now? Does that just <laughs> cause anybody to start sweating? You know, I'm a nurse practitioner. In the last 13 months or so, uh, 13 months or so I've worked uh, with Colorado Department of Corrections in a prison in southern Colorado. And every once in a while, you have an inmate come in that needs to get his eyes checked. Sometimes it's because he's been in a fight. You know, somebody scratched his eyeball. Or sometimes he's been working in the kitchen and chemicals in his eyes. Sometimes it's just a, he can't see. You just got bad vision. He's getting old, right? And he comes in to get his eyes checked, and we pull this chart out. And it's always funny to me, when you pull this eye chart out, how confident we are with that top letter. E. That's an E right there. That's E. It's like, yeah, I got that one. It's like, okay, good. That's an E. Let's move down four or five lines. And you they, and they move down four or five lines. Okay, cover one eye up. And you cover the eye, and one of these inmates looks at it. And you look back at them, and they're, they're moving their eye. They're squinting. They're straining, they're trying to see what the letters say for. And you know, there's only so many letters in the alphabet. And they're looking down, they're like, there's letters on that page. And they're like, F, no, Q, P, R. Oh, that's an R. Yep, that's an R. Next letter. And it's just, it's amazing to me how confident we are with the top letters. Then we get down lower, and it's like, you're right, I need glasses. Anybody in here needs some visual correction? Anybody in here needs some contacts? or some glass, and that first time you put them on, you walked out outside or you drove down the street and you said, that, that billboard's been there and I've lived here my whole life. <laughs> that bird nest has been in my backyard, in the tree five feet from my deck my whole life. <laughs> or maybe you've been in a dating relationship for about three years, and you start consider, reconsidering your life choices because you're, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> we won't go there. We see Paul's writing this letter To provide some vision correction to some people in the church in the city of Colossae. And I'm hoping that somebody here tonight has an experience just like that. Somebody here tonight is straining. You're squinting. You're looking at the world around you and you're asking questions about Jesus. You're asking questions about God. You're trying to make sense of these different worldviews that you see And maybe you're here and you're like, I'm I'm not even sure I want to see Jesus clearly. I'm not even sure I care about what Jesus has to say. I've been burnt from churches in the past. I'm not sure I really even care about what he has to say at all. But there's somebody here. I'm praying that there's somebody sitting in this room tonight. I'm praying somebody sitting in this room tonight that's going to have their eyes open for the first time. That's going to say, wow. Wow. Tonight's the first time I've seen Jesus clearly. Glasses on for the first time. And if that happens to you tonight, don't be afraid to say out loud, "Wow, I just saw Jesus clearly for the first time." This is a vocal church; nobody's gonna care too much. So just go ahead and go ahead and speak it out. So, so let's jump into the text tonight. Colossians so rich. Uh, there's so much in this short letter. So many nuances. So many doctrines that we could dive into. And so we're going to do it all tonight. I'm going to ask Matt and Ross to go ahead and lock all the doors. We won't do that to you. We'll leave leave the rest for Parker next week. Um, But we're going to go ahead and dive into the text. And as I read this, I want you to just let the words of God wash over you. We're not going to be able to... I'm certainly not qualified to to break this down fully for you. But I I believe in the power of the word of God. And as we read this, I want you to let that wash over you. And I I believe it's going to impact somebody's life tonight. So Colossians chapter 2. Verses 6 through 15, here's what it says. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, being rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy, empty deceit, based on human tradition based on the elements of the world rather than Christ himself, for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. If you've been filled by him, who is the head over every ruler and authority, you were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands, by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, which we're doing tonight, let's go, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased their certificate of debt with its obligations, let's go, that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. So point number one, I got an equation for you. Jesus plus nothing Equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I think a little bit of background helps a lot when you look at a book like this. Um, Paul's in prison in Rome, Italy. This is, you got to go back almost 2,000 years, 62 AD, okay? He's got a younger man named Timothy who's kind of like his protege, right? Um, It's like if you're training somebody up underneath you at work, this is the person that you're bringing up. This is Paul's guy, it's Timothy. And most likely he's the one putting pen to paper on this. Paul's in, prisoner, uh, in prison, he's literally chained up to a wall. And the envelope on this letter is addressed to a community of people in a city called Colosse. You say Colosse, never heard of it, what's that? Think, uh, think modern Turkey. If you think like North Mediterranean Sea, that kind of gives you a little bit of an understanding of their diet, their climate, their culture. Not a bad place to live, right? Big trade town. Right on the sea, right? So he's writing this letter to these people in the church of Colossians. Now, Paul's most likely never seen these people. He didn't start this church. And he's most likely never going to see these people. But he's writing this letter in response to some false teaching that has crept into the church. And so Paul even writes in the first chapter, he says, Man, I would love, I'm yearning, I'm dying to come see you guys. He's like, I would love to come to Colossae Conference, 62 AD. I want to come speak there. He's like, but he can't. Why? He's in prison. He's in Rome. He can't get there. And we don't know that he ever met these people. But he lo- the brother's in Christ. He loves them. He wants to see them. He didn't start the church. A man named Epaphras is the church planter here. He's the guy who started this church. He's the guy pastoring this church. And he's the guy leading this group of, of young believers in this new ch- church plant. But Epaphras has some problems, and his problems are false teaching, mixed doctrines, confusion in these these young group of believers about what is true, what's not true, these people are searching for truth, but they need their vision corrected. They're not seeing things clearly, and one of the rumors that's going around in this church is, listen to me, Jesus is good, but he's not God. Okay, Jesus is special, but he's not everything. Jesus can get you going spiritually, but he can't get you through. And these are some of the rumors going through the church that Paul is writing to correct. How many know that, let's bring it up to date, that Pinewood's a young church plant? Not too different from this church in Colossae. We launched, what, less than a year ago? Um, And man, this is a vibrant community. We're seeing people come in every week. We're seeing lives change. We're seeing prayers answered. We're seeing people get baptized even here tonight. And it's a lot of fun to see. But how many know a young church is also very fragile? A young church is vulnerable. A young church is trying to dig its roots in. It's trying to find its identity. It's trying to figure out, okay, what exactly are we going to stand on? It's building a foundation. You know, we're growing in the gospel. We're growing in our understanding of this amazing gift called grace. But how many know that... These doors are open to everybody. New people are coming in every week, people that bring in different experiences. We all have different experiences, different beliefs about who Jesus is, different beliefs about who God is, different stories, different contexts they're coming from, and they come in these doors, and there's an opportunity for false teaching to slip in. That's exactly what's happening in this, this young church in Colossians. How many know that there's a spiritual enemy out there as well? There's an enemy out there that would love nothing more than to slip a little bit of false doctrine in this community, a community of pure faith that's growing in the word. He'd love to slip a little bit of doubt in there, specifically on the person of Jesus Christ. How many know that we're in a city of Boulder? There's a few ideologies here that are in direct conflict with with, with, what the uh, word of God teaches. And, and the more I read the book of Colossians, the more I studied this, I said, man, Paul might as well have read, uh, written this letter directly to the church here at Pinewood. Uh, it was important then, but you fast forward 2,000 years, and the Holy Spirit was in our mailbox. He's reading our mail. He's saying, you know what? I've got a message for these people tonight for my word, specifically a message about who Jesus is. So when Paul says it like this, chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, he says, Just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, being rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. What Paul is saying when he says that is Pinewood Church, dig deep into Jesus, Dig deep into the faith. Dig deep into what's important in the word of God and who he is and what that means for your life, for your relationships, for your workspaces, for how you raise your children. Every avenue of your life, dig deep into the truth, and the truth is Jesus Christ. He's saying throw down some roots. Dig deep into the faith. Go all in with the word, with a capital W, because the word is none other than the person of Jesus Christ. Number two, Paul's saying, beware of false teaching. So here you've got a He's in Colossae. He's a young pastor, a mentor of Paul. He's got his church plant. Everything's going good. Everybody's excited. Everybody's vibrant. Worship is strong, right? He's looking at it out at these different teachings, coming into the church, and he starts getting worried. Now, let's bring it. Home. How many guys have ever. Had somebody, as soon as you started coming to Pinewood or as soon as in your workplace, somebody found, that, found out that you were remotely a follower of Jesus Christ, the questions started pouring in. How many people get a little nervous or a little anxious when people start asking personal questions? Because it's personal. It gets messy. It's emotional. You know, people start asking, you know what the questions are. Tell me I'm not the only person here. Questions, the big questions. What does Pinewood think about this? Right? What does Pinewood say about this? What does the Bible say about that? What do you guys think about this? You know what they are? Marijuana, right? Sexuality, alcohol, pornography. What does I've heard all these things in the last three weeks. What do you guys think about this? You said, oh, no, he just went there. He's, he can't say that. He can't read in my mail. <laughs> You're not, that's illegal, bro. You can't do that. No, we'll leave that for Parker next week. He's going to address all those issues. <laughs> no, but here, here's the thing. Paul addresses these things head on. Epaphras says, guys, I need help. Here's what he does. He goes and seeks wise counsel. He says, you know what? I don't know how to answer these questions. I'm nervous. My blood pressure goes up when I'm hearing these things. There's a problem here, and I need to find answers from the Word of God. So he goes to the man of God. He, he goes to the man who has revelation from God. Now, he packs his bag and travels 1,300 miles from Colossae to Rome. He gets in the prison. Paul's sitting there in chains. Paul says, how's it going? How's the church in Colossae? He's like, it's going good. It's a vibrant community. We're growing, but we've got some problems. We've got some threats. And he says, you know what? These threats potentially tear this thing to the ground. They're that serious. Epaphras might not have had all the answers, but one thing that Epaphras did know is that Jesus was the head, okay? And if Jesus is the head and you take the head off of where it's supposed to be, one thing Epaphras knew is that you don't have a head anymore. If you take Jesus off, there is no head. Now, like Parker talked about last week, that may be entertaining for a while, you know? If you see a chicken with his head cut off, if you see a man running down the street with no head, you say, well, that's strange. That guy doesn't have a head. That's super entertaining. But... <laughs> one thing it can't be is effective. We can entertain people around here, but if we take the head off this thing, Jesus Christ, one thing it can't be is effective. And if you don't have a head, one thing very literally you will be before too long is dead. So Epaphras realizes this and he says, I don't want this to happen to us. If we take Jesus out of the place he's supposed to be, we're not going to last long. Let's bring it up to date. He says, Paffrist, how's everything going? He says, let's, let's make it Pinewood. He says, you know what? Crews are going strong. Team leads are all in. We've got new events. We've got a potential new venue on the horizon to meet in. We've got Easter around the corner. We've got Fox Theater. Who's excited about that? April 21st, Fox Theater. We're meeting for Easter. All these big things are happening, but he says, you know what? We've got a problem, and there's a big one. We have a threat in the community, Epaphras says, that could potentially tear this thing apart. He says, I I need help. I need to know how to address this thing. People are saying Jesus isn't really God. They're saying he's he's like one of the angels. He's an exceptional angel. They're saying you have to do all these things in order to become a Christian. Get circumcised. Eat this. Don't eat that. Touch this. Don't touch that. Do this. Don't do that. All these things you have to do. They're saying they have this secret knowledge about God called the Gnostics. You know, only, only a few of you are going to get this. There's only about 5% of you that are going to un- understand this mystery. That's what these people were coming to the church and saying. All these things, all these rules, all these rumors. Maybe you're sitting there and, you, and you've thought to yourself at some point in your life, you know, I'd be interested in Jesus. You know, I might be interested in what the church has to say, but I can't get past the rules. I can't get past, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. And you say, you know, I've had a bad experience in the past, and I I can't hear Jesus because of what the church has portrayed about Jesus in my life. You know, I'd like to know more about who he is. I'd like to know more about baptism and the cross and the forgiveness of sins But I can't get past some of those things. Guys, listen, Paul hits that on the head hard. He punches them right in the teeth on this. And he says, you know, if it's all about getting your act together, if it's all about behavior modification, if it's all about self-improvement, he says it's superficial. It's fake. It's a facade. You can fake those things. He says it's not about that. He says... If anything, it's not about what you do, it's about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the substance of the faith. He says it like this in verse 16 and 17. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink, or in the matter of a festival, or in a new moon, or a Sabbath day. Insert anything into that verse that you can think of, whether it's, living in a monastery, whether it's crawling up steps on your knees to worship an idol, whatever it is, whatever you, whether it's praying before a meal, whether it's attending 60% of the church services during a year, whatever it is, Paul is saying these are a shadow. They're just a shadow of what's to come. The substance, the thing that you can touch, the thing, the thing that you can hold on to, the thing that's going to get you through the week is Jesus Christ. What's Paul saying here? Is he saying that, you know, We shouldn't worry about living moral lives. Is he saying we shouldn't worry about religious ordinances and and trying to do good things? Not at all. He's not saying that at all. What Paul is saying to the Colossian church and what the Spirit is saying to Pinewood here tonight is that it's not about you. It's not about what you do. It's what has been done for you and what Jesus Christ is continuing to do through you. Spiritual growth is not about how good or bad you are. It's literally about what Jesus is doing inside of you to change you. Look again what it says in verses 11 to 15. You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ when you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate. Are you seeing the the common thing? The pronoun him, the pronoun he, Jesus, Lord, over and over again. it's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ and what he has the power to do inside of us. If you sum up the book of Colossians over, I, me and Parker talked about this, if you sum up the book of Colossians over and over again, it's that Jesus is everything. Jesus is everything. Jesus is enough. He's the creator. All things were created by him. All things were created for him. Maybe you're sitting there tonight, and we've all had these these, these, these questions, the biggest questions of life are things like, where did I come from? You know, what, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Can I know why I'm here? And Paul hits it on the head. Jesus, the Holy Spirit through Paul in this book of Colossians, hits it right on the head when he says, you know what? You were created by Jesus, and you were created for Jesus. That's the answer to those two questions right there. Where did I come from? You were created by Jesus. What am I here for? You're created for Jesus. Jesus and his glory. Jesus is everything. Then he hits hard on chapter 2 and he says, you know what? Not only is Jesus everything, but Jesus is in you. How many of you guys have ever been out of the country? You guys, any travelers in here? It's a pretty transient society. Everybody gets out of the country. I've been to several different countries on mission trips and things like that. Uh, and it's fun to travel. But, you know, you, if you think about it like this, America is in each one of us. If you're an American citizen, America is in you. You've got your passport. You're traveling to the airport. Maybe you've got your copies in different suitcases, right? And America's in you. Wherever you go, you've got America as part of who you are. But there's something about going to other countries and traveling Maybe you get sick, maybe you have a bad experience with food. Eventually you're missing home. You're missing the free Wi-Fi. You're missing the yeah, I was gonna say McDonald's, but we're not in Nashville right now. (laughs) You're missing the flower child, okay. (laughs) We're in Boulder, right? Okay. And you and you start missing that. There's something about being in America. Not just having America in you, but being in America. America. There's something to that. And what Paul tells us in chapter 2 is that not only are you in Jesus when you become a believer, but Jesus Christ is in you. If you could sum up the book of Colossians like this Jesus is everything, Jesus is in you. In you, Jesus changes everything. That's what Paul is saying. It's not about trying harder to do these things that we keep failing at. It's not about trying to do better. That's exactly the opposite. He says, no, you can't do it on your own. You need me in you to change everything. Yes, when you become a Christian... You're in Jesus. He does all the work. He redeems you. He forgives your sins. All those things, like it says in Colossians 2, are nailed to the cross. He takes care of those things. Your eternity is set. Your eternity is secure. But you're like, how does that help me through Monday? How does that help me through Wednesday? What do I do with that? That's the importance of realizing positionally. You're not only in Christ when you accept him. As is represented, you go under the water, you're with him in death, you're buried with him in death, you come back raised to life with a new life. The significance of this is Jesus is also in you. You're so woven in the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God, it's all mixed in there so much. If you live in that position and you're renewing your mind every day, there's nothing that can come against you that you can't overcome. And that's the key to this letter. That's the key that Paul, Paul says, you know what, Epaphras, this is the letter you have to take back. Tell them to read it. Tell them to read it again. Tell them to take it to the church at Ephesus and Philippi. Tell everybody to read it. And then you read their letters, too. He says, you've got to tell them that the key is Jesus Christ inside of you. So many times we try, we, you know, how many guys and girls here tonight, you know, you're like, I don't know why I keep struggling with the same thing. You know, I got this thing. I know it's, I know it's wrong, whatever it is, but I don't know why I can't, I can't seem to get, get past it. Jesus wants to come in and he wanted, wants to take your normal habits, your normal routines, your normal ruts, your normal thought processes, and he wants to make those Jesus-filled habits. He wants to make those Jesus-filled thoughts. He wants to make those, I'm a new person in Christ, and Christ is in me thought processes. And inside of you, he wants to come and change everything in you, but also change the world around you because of what he's doing inside of you. What's the takeaway? Jesus wants you to know that in all things, he is enough. He is enough, church. He is enough. Sometimes it's hard to believe that. When you're dealing with a certain sin, you take that thing away, there's a void in your life. There's a gap there. There's something that needs to be filled. You can't just take that thing away. You have to replace it with something new. Are you willing to believe that Jesus is enough? Are you willing to believe that he's sufficient? Are you willing to believe that he is supreme? And if you give him that thing that's so hard that you're so scared to give him, that you just want to hold on to, especially when life gets hard, Especially when you've had the bad day, you go back to those things that are the crutches that get you through. Are you willing to say, no, Jesus has something better? Are you willing to believe that? It takes a step of faith. Paul knew this. It takes a step of faith to say, you know what? I'm not going to do that. But then when you do, you say, God, I'm going to give this to you. He fills you in that moment. He shows you, "No, I'm more than enough. He says, you know, I can take care of that addiction. He says, "I can, I can take care of those anxieties, those fears." He says, I can, "I can, I'm bigger than your doubts." But it's our choice. But we choose to say, "You know, Jesus, you are enough." Are we willing to put Him to the test? So short message tonight. If the band will go ahead and come up, I'm going to ask them to go up. And if uh, one of the leaders can go ahead and grab the kids, the older kids, so they can come up and see this baptism service. I want to close with this. And jumping out of chapter 2, but uh, if you go right to the end of the book, this gets good, guys. The very 95th verse, the last verse of chapter 4, listen to what Paul says. This blew my mind. It says this, I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand. And stop there. Wait, what? Paul says, I'm writing this with my own hand. Okay, why is he saying that? Well, we talked about Paul's literally chained up to a wall. He's in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. His hands are literally tied up to a wall. So he's got most likely Timothy, his protege, writing this thing, putting pen to paper the things that the Holy Spirit has inspired and given Paul to write down to this church in Colossians. And he says, Timothy, come over here. Bring me the pen. Put it right here in my hand. Bring the parchments over here. And can you imagine receiving that letter and the, the font changing, the handwriting changing? And people say, you know what? This is, Paul says, this is my handwriting. I'm writing this final greeting to you guys and that blew my mind. Why? Because what is he writing about? He's writing about his position in Christ. He's writing about everything that, it, that you need to overcome. Every problem. Every suffer, Every temptation. Every false doctrine. He's saying Jesus is enough. He's chained to a wall. And he's saying, you know what? Grace be with you. Remember my chains. He writes this down and he says, You know, what does that say for us today? What does that tell us today? It tells us this. It doesn't, your circumstances do not predict or determine whether or not Jesus Christ is going to be able to fulfill his purpose in your life and in everything that he wants you to do. Your circumstances, your trials, your temptations, you're chained to a wall. He's writing this letter and fulfilling God's purpose in his life. This is the guy writing the letter. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter what lies someone's told you about yourself. It doesn't matter what the world has said about you, it doesn't even matter what you've said about yourself, Paul says I write, I want to write this down, I want to write this down with my own hand, remember my chains and grace be with you, is anybody in here afraid of that? Just, any, just giving anybody anxiety and fear to say, you know what? It sounds good. It sounds like it might work. I don't know. It's new to me. Or maybe you've tried this a thousand times and you're like, that scares me to death. And you're not sure, you know, am I, am I really willing to give that a try? Is this turning over everything? And putting into practice that Jesus is everything. Really what you make it out to be. Maybe you're sitting there, you're saying, you don't understand. I literally don't know who I would be without my addiction. You fill in the blank. It's been so long. I don't know who I would be. I don't know if I could recognize myself without that anxiety or that depression. I don't know who I would be without that bitterness and that person I haven't forgave. You don't know what they did to me. I don't, know, I don't know who I'd be. I don't know if I'd recognize myself. I don't know if I'd know who I even was without doing that 70, 80 hours a week. I, I, don't know, I don't know if I could give that up. I don't know what I'd be without him or her or this relationship. Whatever it is, you fill in the blank. I don't know if I would even recognize myself without those doubts without those fears. We all have it. We all have something that we're holding on to. I don't know how i be. I'm here to tell you who you are, church. And who you are is who He says you are. And He says you are loved. He says you are forgiven. He says you are redeemed. He says you are valuable. He says you're an overcomer. He says greater is He inside of you than he that is in the world. Jesus Christ says, I'm in you and you're in me. He says, if you believe that and you're a part of this body, you are who I say you are. It doesn't matter what the world says you are. It doesn't matter what that person says you are. It doesn't even matter what you say you are. You are who He says you are. And He says, you are my child. He says, you belong with me. He says, I've got a purpose for your life. And if you'll trust that, if you'll trust me with that, He says, I'll show you that I'm more than enough. I'm more than sufficient to fill every need that you have. And he says, watch what I can do. Watch what I can do through you to change everything. Jesus is everything, church. Jesus is in you. And in you, Jesus changes everything. He is enough. Would everybody stand on their feet. We're about to bring the house down with worship here. But before I do, I'm going to ask that both Parker and Jess, during this last worship song, just stand right up here at the front. You say, this is a little different than usual. Yeah, it is. But this is an opportunity. This is going to be an open altar for everyone here tonight. you're like, you know what? I've never heard it quite like that. But I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. He's not the Lord of my heart. I've never become a follower. I've never committed my ways to him. You say, I want to do that tonight. This is a great opportunity. Up here and, t- and grab them by the hand put a hand on their, sh- on their shoulder and say you know what, I just want to know more about that or find this afterwards we'll talk to you anytime about that maybe you're here tonight and you're like we've got this big pool here guys we're having a dunkin party tonight and you're like, I'm a follower of Jesus but I'm scared to death to get baptized or I, I just put it off, I've never done it before it's open it's warm, it's full it's kind of warm okay it's warmer than it was last time. I'll say it that much. No, it's good. So you say, hey, I want to be baptized. I want to, I want to take that next step in obedience. This is your night. We've got clothes. We've got towels for you. We've got the bells ready, hopefully, right? Maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, you know, this hit me on the head. I had a tough week. I've got a big week coming up. I just need somebody to pray over me. I just need some encouragement. You want somebody to put a hand on your shoulder and just pray for you. This is your opportunity. We're going to bring the house down and worship, guys. And as we do, this altar is open to each and every one of you. Let's go ahead and sing. Our community at Pinewood Church aims to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus in Boulder and around the world. Thank you for your support. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find out more at pinewoodboulder.com or on any social media platform with the handle at Pinewood Boulder.